If we want to have better relationships, better interactions with others, then we need to understand what motivates us as humans. For the longest time, we looked at Maslow's theory of motivations, the hierarchy of needs. But today, I propose a new theory of my own. Tune in for details only here on the People Scientist Podcast. Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 133, where I aim to arm us with some scientific evidence so that we can all become a little bit smarter and a little bit healthier with every new episode. How are you doing today? Thank you for bringing me into your day, and I hope that I can brighten up your day with some interesting thoughts and a new perspective. Back in episode 127, I talk about how happiness is thought to include three components. One of those components is perspective change or psychological richness. Us broadening our minds to different experiences and points of view so that our perspective can change. From there, we can grow in wisdom and happiness. So you, yes, you listening right now, That is what you are doing right now by listening in on this episode. So that is one of my goals for us today, to provide a new perspective for you. And hopefully, therefore, I can enhance your happiness. It's interesting, many of you reached out to me recently and told me that episode 128, How to Make Lasting Friendships as an Adult, was one of your favorite episodes. And I find that intriguing because that episode was my least empirical episode, meaning normally I cite dozens of studies and provide tons of evidence in my episodes. But in that episode 128, I did not cite a ton of empirical or quantitative data. In fact, I shared many of my own personal stories, some philosophy and a bit of psychology and neuroscience. And many of you loved that. So I thought, okay, occasionally... I will get on here and do a similar style episode, an episode filled with my own thoughts, perspectives, my life experiences, some everyday examples that we can all relate to, with a bit of philosophy, psychology, and neuroscience thrown in there. So today is going to be one of those episodes, an episode that I hope will be relatable and perspective changing. So what am I going to talk about today? Well, as a behavioral neuroscientist, I can't help but be fascinated by our human behavior. What motivates us? What makes for a good interaction? Why do we do the things that we do? And so I often think about what it is that we all truly desire. Like deep down, what really motivates us? What at our core do we all strive for 
every day. I sometimes think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a possible answer to those questions, but I thought about how in today's modern world with technology, our hierarchy of needs, what motivates us, I think can be expounded upon. So I will get into my theory on what I think truly motivates us in today's modern world. Let's call it Stephanie's theory of modern motivation. And chances are I'm probably going to write an article about this and publish it in a psychology journal soon. So this is kind of my putting my thoughts out there before I really publish the theory. But before we get into that theory, as we always do, let's start off with a foregone fact where I share a scientific finding from long ago. Stas and Wills back in 1967 in the journal Psychonomic Science wanted to investigate eye contact as a determinant of human behavior. The study included a total of 145 men and women. The experiment was simple. The scientists asked the participants to introduce themselves to one another and for one person to choose a partner to work with. They were told that the experiment would include working with money, so to choose someone they trusted and someone they felt would be pleasant to work with. So one person would enter a room where two possible partners were waiting. The person that entered the room would introduce themselves to the two people that were waiting and would later choose which partner they wanted to work with. What did the scientists note? The participants were far more likely to choose the partner to whom they had more eye contact with during the introduction. They also tended to choose a partner that had more dilated pupils or larger pupil size. These findings were observed across both sexes. The scientists noted that eye contact was an important component to forming a trusting and pleasant relationship. Also back in episode 106, I talk about how our pupils can dilate when we put in great mental effort or when we pay attention to detail. And across several studies, scientists have noted that people with larger pupil sizes tend to score higher for working memory and fluid intelligence. The reason why, or the mechanism, could be because the size of our pupils appear to be associated with the activity of a region in our brain called the locus ceruleus. And the locus ceruleus is essential in our ability to be alert and to have attention control. Maybe therefore we subconsciously become aware of someone's pupil size, indicating their attention to us in a conversation. Intriguing thought though, isn't it? That eye contact and pupil size with someone else can be a very important factor in trusting and forming a relationship. Now let's get into the core takeaways on today's topic, my theory of modern motivation. my personal interactions with people, I see the world through the eyes of a behavioral neuroscientist. And I can't help but think, what truly motivates us as humans? What is it in this modern world where we appear to have everything? What is there left for us to need? Well, decades ago, the famous psychologist Maslow created a theory of motivation based on several needs. These needs were things like food, water, relationships, love, self-esteem, and us reaching our full potential based on our skills and impact. 
and while I believe this model to still be true and valid, today I argue that there can be a more modern and updated version of this. I believe that what truly motivates us today at the very minimum, at our core, is that we all just want to be seen. That's it. See me. I'm here. Look at what I'm doing. Make eye contact with me. Acknowledge my presence, my work, my achievements. That's what we really want and need and sometimes crave. And when we don't feel seen, that is when doing things and having behaviors that involve attention-seeking may occur because we are craving to simply be seen. From this base foundation of just wanting to be seen, I build upon three more needs that we have, which is to be understood, recognized, and influential. I get into the details of all four of these, which I believe explain what we all truly desire. And once we can appreciate that in the real-world context, oh, how much better our interactions with others can be. Now, let's get into those details. Okay, so here is my theory. That there are levels, steps, a spectrum even, perhaps on things we are looking for in order to be happy. We are motivated and may even act out to obtain these things. Now let me first take a step back and give a model that many of us may be familiar with, and this model will set the stage for my theory. You may have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I personally think that this model is still relevant, but in today's modern world might be a little bit less relevant than it was decades ago. Years ago, Maslow said that we as humans are motivated to obtain certain things in life. It is a theory of motivation that he created. And back in 1991, in the journal Humanistic Psychology, Nayer goes through Maslow's hierarchy of needs and a critique of it. So, this theory of Maslow's, imagine a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid, the largest foundation, our greatest and foremost need, according to Maslow, is our physiological needs, like food, water, air, sleep, the basic necessities to survive in the short term. Next up on the pyramid, the next level and second foremost need, according to Maslow, is safety. This includes physical safety, but also financial and emotional security. The next level of our motivation and needs, according to Maslow, is belonging and love. Having intimacy, friendships, trust, and acceptance. Then from there, our next need is self-esteem. That we are motivated to obtain recognition, prestige, acceptance, respect, independence, and competence in our field of expertise. The last level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs in his theory of motivation is self-actualization. Maslow speculates that not everyone can achieve this last level. Self-actualization involves a person achieving their full potential. This could include us sharpening our skills, leaning into our talents, achieving our goals, and influencing the community. So based on this model, this theory of motivation, I pondered that in today's modern world, with our access to technology, our motivations might be slightly different. So let me pose my hierarchy, or spectrum of needs and motivation. Let's call it Stephanie's theory of modern motivation. I believe at the very bottom of this hierarchy, at the bottom of the pyramid, 
the biggest foundation at the minimum, we are motivated to just be seen. That's it. I have grown to appreciate this over the last few years. I have honestly met thousands of people in my lifetime, and in all of my interactions, everyone just wanted to be seen and heard. Acknowledged. Let me give an example. Do you know how impactful it is when entering a room for a party or a meeting and acknowledging everyone that's there? How powerful that can be, how impactful that can be? Because then that person, everyone individually, is being recognized and seen and heard by you. Now that's not always possible in every group setting. But acknowledging the presence of a person, saying hello, that in itself is a tremendous way to fulfill another person's baseline need. At times myself, I just want to be seen and for my existence to be acknowledged. acknowledged. It doesn't feel good when during a meeting or a party when we're ignored. So sometimes for someone to feel seen, all that requires is for us to make sincere eye contact with someone, to say hi, or to tell them that I hear what you're saying, and I'm acknowledging that. Now let's think for the moment the opposite. If we feel not seen, how we might feel, how others might feel. We may either feel left out, frustrated for not being heard, and sometimes if this happens frequently, we may act out as a way to try to be seen. This can be called attention-seeking behavior. Let me give another real-world example. Why have there been protests in cities? Why might young children act out or throw temper tantrums? Why might we be in a relationship and get into a heated, unproductive argument with our partner? Possibly the answer to all of those is because we are frustrated that we don't feel heard. Frustrated that we aren't getting the attention we crave. There are many papers published back in the 1950s through 1970s where psychologists observed children's behavior. And many times it was noted that often children who would act out, like yell, be difficult, or do things to garner attention, would do so because the children were not getting as much attention from their parents or teachers versus children who acted out less. It was speculated that the children acted out as a way of attention-seeking, because this bottom-at-minimum desire to be seen was not being met. Let me cite some empirical evidence to support this part of my theory. Hawk and the journal Human Behavior in 2019 conducted a study on attention-seeking behavior on social media. In this study, the participants filled out detailed questionnaires twice, spaced one year apart. The study included 307 teenagers aged 12 to 15 years old. The teenagers were asked to self-report and answer questions about their emotions, feelings, and social media use and experience. The scientists noted some interesting things. They noted that attention-seeking on social media, i.e. making posts and comments for the sole purpose of gaining the approval, attention, or notice of others, was associated with perceived social rejection the year prior. The scientists believe that attention-seeking on social media is a way to recover from social rejection experiences that may have happened before. So, for example, 
Have we ever felt like we weren't getting the attention we wanted before? Have we made social media posts to garner the attention of certain people? This is the case for some. Particularly in this study, the scientists observed that. In another study this year in the journal Psychological Reports by Shaba Hang, the scientists note that in young adults, there was a correlation with social media addiction, levels of anxiety, attention-seeking behavior, and oversharing of personal details on social media. The scientists stated that they believe young adults may seek attention and approval by sharing more and more of oneself on social media. That this is another form of attention-seeking when an individual is feeling unseen. How about another study? Sherman in the journal Psychological Science in 2016 conducted a really interesting study in teenagers. They showed teenagers different photos on social media and observed whether they would click to like the photo or not like it and keep scrolling. At the same time, the scientists used functional magnetic resonance imaging, or fMRI, to study the blood flow in the brain. And this will give us an insight into different brain region recruitment while teenagers look at social media photos. Now, what do you think the scientists noted? The teenagers tended to like photos that already had a lot of likes and were hesitant to like photos with less likes. The scientists interpreted this as peer influence, that if others liked it, then it was safe or acceptable to like it too. The scientists noted that when the teenagers viewed and liked these photos, there was more activity in certain brain regions like the visual cortex of the brain. So the visual cortex of our brain is certainly involved in our viewing of social media. But what was really interesting in this study was that the teenagers participating all submitted their own photos to the experiment as well. And when they saw their own photo with many likes, many brain regions were recruited. Can you guess which brain regions those were? It was primarily brain regions involved in reward, pleasure, and motivation, like the nucleus accumbens, the caudate putamen, thalamus, ventral tegmental area, and the brainstem. These are the same brain regions recruited during other pleasurable things like listening to music, exercise, caffeine, sugar, and drug intake. So viewing photos on social media can be very reinforcing, especially when viewing likes of our own content. So in other words, this study highlights how it is rewarding for us to be seen, to be liked. This study supports that at a minimum, Many of us desire to be simply seen and acknowledged. Now, can we relate this to outside of social media? If we feel like we are not getting heard, have not been getting the attention we want on social media or in real life, do we take extra effort to therefore obtain attention? Some of us might. Another story I can relate to this level of motivation is my experience with some individuals who are homeless that ask for money on the street here in New York City. Now, when I first moved to New York City, I stopped a few times to talk to them to offer to buy them a coffee. And all of them told me how nice it was for someone to stop and just acknowledge them. To simply see them, to not ignore them, but to say hi. To, in a way, send the subconscious message, Hey, I see you. You are a person just like me. Can I get you a coffee? So at the baseline foundation in my theory of motivation 
I say that at the root, deep down, our greatest need is that we just all want to be seen. Okay, so the bottom of the pyramid of my theory is to be seen. Then what is the next thing we desire? Can you guess it? And that is to be understood. This is like the difference between hearing someone and listening to someone. It indicates active effort versus passive actions. We can passively hear a conversation, but it does not mean that we are being attentive to the person and giving effort to the conversation. That is why being understood is the next level up from being seen or heard. For example, if we post something on social media, there is a difference between a view, a like, and an insightful, thoughtful comment. The view or like indicates that perhaps we are being seen, but the thoughtful comment can indicate that our content is being understood. Or how about a non-social media related example? Let's say we are in a conversation. There is a big difference between someone sitting there with us, hearing us, but being distracted and not showing attention to us, versus someone making eye contact, actively listening, and asking insightful follow-up questions to illustrate that they understand what we are saying. It is actually really rare to find someone to converse with that has these traits. Someone who chooses to face me, that keeps eye contact with me, listens intently, and instead of them focusing on what they want to say next, instead they ask an insightful question to show their understanding and attention. If we want to have a meaningful conversation or want to develop deeper relationships, that is one effort to make for someone. Deep down, I think we all hope to be heard and seen, but also understood. Have you ever been in an argument or disagreement and there is just a break in the communication? The other person just isn't understanding what we are saying. Perhaps they are more focused on what they want to say rather than trying to listen and understand us. That can be very frustrating, can't it? Having a conversation with someone who aims to listen and understand us, as opposed to focusing on what they want to say next, is a much more rewarding experience. If we aim to understand one another, we can leave that conversation feeling heard and understood, as opposed to feeling hurt, misunderstood, and not seen. Now, going back to the example of protests and strikes, a big motivator to protests and strikes is because a group of people may feel like they are not being heard and feel misunderstood. And this protest, this strike, is to garner the attention of the community or leaders in the community so that these individuals can be seen, can be heard, and understood. On a deep level, we all just want to be seen and understood. Okay, what is the third level in the modern hierarchy of needs or the modern theory of needs? I think that is to be recognized. Once we have been seen and understood, it would be wonderful if someone or many people looked to us for advice, respected our input, put us in a category of expert. Imagine if someone in your family or friend circle said to you, hey, I'd love your input on this because you are well-versed in this area. For example, hey, can you give me advice on this recipe? 
because you're really great at baking. Hey, can you give me advice on a song to dance to next because you are such a great musician? Part of this is in Maslow's hierarchy of needs as well in his self-esteem category. Being recognized for our thoughts, contributions, expertise can certainly have a good impact on our self-esteem, confidence, and our competence. Confidence is our ability to believe that we can achieve something. The probability that we believe we are capable to do something with success. Now this is highly related to self-esteem, which is our positive thoughts of our worth, our abilities, and positively perceiving ourself. Now why we study self-confidence and self-esteem is because it can greatly influence our mental health, our happiness, our success, and the success of others around us. And I go into the details of self-confidence back in episode 124. So I highly recommend going back to that one for a listen if you haven't yet. But being recognized by our peers contributes significantly to our self-esteem and our motivation to continue in our craft of expertise. So if we want to foster better relationships, acknowledging our peers' expertise and asking for their input can be an incredible way to meet the needs of someone. Okay, so, so far we have at the bottom of the pyramid to be seen, the next to be understood, and then to be recognized. At the very top of that pyramid, top of our motivation and needs, I believe is to be influential. If we are being seen, understood, and recognized for our input, the last and final level is to influence others in a positive way, to have the power to influence a community. This last part of the hierarchy can provide power and purpose to one's life and a potential positive impact on the community. I think with the onset of social media, the ability for someone to climb through the ranks of being seen, understood, recognized, and influential can happen rather quickly because we can reach people all around the world simultaneously. But with the plethora of people on social media, it can also be hard to stand out among everyone. So it might simultaneously be easier and harder to be seen in today's world with technology. Now, if we think back to episode 127, where I talk about the pursuit of happiness and how it lies in juxtaposition, I think it would be really relevant to today's episode. Because I believe that there are three components to the pursuit of happiness. That is hedonism, eudaimonism, and psychological richness. I believe that my theory, this pyramid of needs, of being seen, understood, recognized, and influential, captures the three components in the pursuit of happiness. Because it is rewarding to be seen, understood, recognized, and influential. We can see that in the previous neuroimaging study I shared in this episode, that when our content is seen and liked, it recruits rewarding, pleasurable regions in our brain. Being influential can also contribute to our eudaimonia, meaning to have a purposeful life. If we can influence a community by creating a charity, a volunteer effort, awareness around a topic, improving a system, influencing the market, perhaps persuading people towards certain products, these are all components of power, eudaimonia, and happiness. Now, the third component in the pursuit of happiness that I talk about in episode 127 is psychological richness. And in that is about, psychological richness is about having our perspective changed, having different life experiences, good and bad, that give our life depth, contrast, 
and gives us the opportunity to appreciate the good with the bad. Now, we can achieve psychological richness if we flip this hierarchy of needs to be about other people, not ourselves. To choose to truly see other people. To put effort into understanding others and the actions they take. To recognize the skills and talents in our peers. And to open our mind to their perspective. So there we have it. Stephanie's modern theory on motivation and needs. I think as humans, we crave and desire some fundamentals. Once even the bottom two fundamentals can be met, how much more enriching our interactions with others can be. What a positive impact we can have with stronger relationships we can form. If we aim to truly see our friends and peers, to acknowledge their presence in settings, to give them attention, asking insightful questions, acknowledging their expertise and skills, asking for their input, being open to understanding them. This not only contributes to their happiness and needs, but ours as well. Many times, if we feel we may have attention-seeking behavior, like acting in a certain way to simply garner the focus of others, it may be because we are feeling unseen, that we feel unheard and misunderstood. Now, it is not always possible to bridge that gap in communication with someone. But when we can find someone who recognizes this hierarchy naturally, this motivation and need that we just want to be seen and understood, once we can find someone that is like that, I think we got to hold on to that friend because they see our needs and want to promote our happiness by seeing us, understanding us, and recognizing us. So I hope that this episode was perspective changing for you. It was just something that I had been thinking about for a few weeks and thought it would be fun to share with all of you. This is a different kind of episode than my usual highly evidence-based episode, so let me know which kind of episode you enjoy the most. Perhaps you like both styles and enjoy the change up from time to time, but let me know. If you enjoyed the episode or have a question or comment, please feel free to reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the description box to the show, and I use Instagram the most should you have the choice. If you by chance want to buy me a coffee to say thank you for the show, that would mean so much to me, to keep me motivated, to keep me going with the podcast. The details on how to buy me a coffee are also available in the links below. I hope that you all have a wonderful two weeks. And I look forward to meeting you all back here in two weeks' time. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.